The data are clear about the benefits of having a sense of purpose and meaning in life. And one big piece of that for many people is their work. That's because, as we discuss in the Indigo Manifesto, which, by the way, you can check out at indigotogether.com, so many of our waking hours are spent at work. So what makes work meaningful? How might we make our work more meaningful? And what might we do if that's just not possible? In this episode, we discuss. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, so today's episode is in search of meaningful work and what to do if work stinks. That's right. <laughs> and I think we should note that this is a very unusual recording of the Indigo podcast. And why is it unusual, Chris? Because I can smell you. Oh, God. <laughs> No, because we're sitting in the same room. <laughs> we are sitting in the same room here in Hudson, Ohio. It's phenomenal to be both in the same place. It's great. So a little bit different for us. Um, but yes, we are talking about meaningful work and what it means, uh, why it matters. We're going to talk about how you can make work more meaningful. And we can talk about what to do if that's just unlikely. And of course, we'll talk about some implications for people, for leaders, and for organizations. So I think we should start with this idea of what is meaningful work and why does it matter? So before we get into kind of the formal discussion of this, what does meaningful work mean for you, Chris? I mean, I think for me, it's just, hey, am I feeling good about the job, right? Okay. I have this internal fire about what I'm doing. And, you know, whenever we talk about these kinds of things, you know, I feel like I get calls from friends or texts saying, oh, my gosh, I need out of my job. Help. What can <laughs> I do to find meaningful work? Right. There's this idea of, you know. But is it different than just job satisfaction? Right. Because you you said it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm I have this feeling about my work. That's just to me just sounds like job satisfaction is having meaning in your work any different than just job satisfaction. And I, this, and we'll get to this in the episode. I think it's just because I bring so much meaning to the stuff I do, right? Mm. There's like kind of two things, like either the work can create that meaning for you or you can bring that meaning. So there's so many things in my life that I've had to do that are completely trite and exasperating. Sure. Especially anybody who's done any government work, you know, I'm in the mm. army. There's so many things that we have to do that's just mandated stuff but I feel okay about it because I bring the meaning. Like times when I've worked for not the best bosses or commanders in the military, like I'm still kind of okay. Right. Because I joined because of the mission that I have in my own life, right? Right, right. So there's this great book chapter that we came across written by Justin Berg, Jane Dutton, and Amy Rosinski. And this article, this uh, job, uh, this um, chapter talks about job crafting and meaningful work. And we'll get into what job crafting is all about here in a few minutes. Uh, and we, we, of course, we have a link to this article in the show notes. Um, but, you know, there are really a couple different ways to think about meaning. You can think about, you know, bringing your own meaning to work or the work meaning, you know, the, how the work kind of creates meaning for you, as you just mentioned, Chris. Um, but let's let's start with the definition of what meaningfulness means with regard to the workplace from this uh, chapter. And what they suggest is that meaningfulness is, and I quote, 
the amount or degree of significance employees believe their work possesses. So the amount or degree of significance that you think your work has. And then they go on to say, and I continue quoting, meaningfulness is associated with numerous work-related benefits, including increased job satisfaction, motivation, and performance. So when you feel like your work, is, it matters. When it's, it has significance, it's, it's making a dent in the universe, whatever that means to you, it seems like the research is fairly clear that this has positive outcomes for both people and for the organization. Yeah, I, you know, there's just so many things. You know, existentially, you know, we're a speck of dust floating through the cosmos. And when you think about it that way, I think there's benefits to saying, you know, so much of what we do because we're a blip on this part of the universe and time doesn't really matter. Yet, when we sit and look at our families, um, the community that we're in, the things that are going on, I know there's just like this fire that builds up and, and care, right? Care for other people, care for what you're doing. You know, I don't know. I think there's just this tug of war in my mind about this idea of meaning. And the, and the thing is, is it says the significance that employees believe their work possesses. That means it's it's got to be different for every single person. Sure, sure. And, and I th you know, as we'll get into, uh, a lot of this has to do with how you think about your job. Um, you know, some of the early research on this actually came from looking at job design, how jobs are structured, um, looking at things like job characteristics, how much autonomy do you have and how much feedback do you get and um, the task identity. And one big piece of that is what we call task significance. And task significance is all about that the extent to which you can see a connection between what you're doing at work and its influence in something bigger, right? So, you know, are you doing something that, that matters or is it just meaningless? You know, I, I remember back when I was a senior in high school, we had to pick an author in my AP English class and uh, we had to read a lot of their literature and also read um, historical accounts and, and critiques of their literature and, and do big report and everything. And I picked uh, Dostoevsky. And Dostoevsky wrote, nice. uh, he wrote, a, wrote a number of books and most commonly known for uh, Crime and Punishment and for The Brothers Karamazov. But one other book that he wrote was called The House of the Dead. And it was about prison life. And he suggests in that book that one of the most punishing things you can do to a person is to have them go out and dig a hole all day long, and then at the end of the day, fill it back in, right? I mean... <laughs> I, I'm just reflecting on how many things I've done in my life that are exactly... Matter of fact, maybe digging the hole was more meaningful because you'd at least get some lawn aeration out of it. Yeah, I guess, right? So, you know, but it's this idea that we're doing something that matters, that it's not just busy work. Um, and, you know, some, some tasks that we do at work have this, some don't. Um, but that's what we're talking about when we talk about task significance. Can you think of anything in, in your life, in your work that where you did something that felt like it was connected to something that, that mattered. Yeah, I think a lot, you know, I'm a secular person now, but a lot of probably the most significance I had in my life was doing uh, church work, honestly, from the, you know, like hospital visitation to preparing music with choirs and, and that kind of community and that we're building to some kind of goal that we're operating ethically in the community. You know, those 
those were really significant times for me. And then definitely some times in the military. I, you know, I joined the military based on, um, you know, articles that were in the paper talking about how people were getting out because the op tempo was so high in Iraq. And I said, you know, if my country really has to pay a bunch of bonuses to officers and stuff like that, then maybe I should throw my hat in the ring, you know, because mm-hmm. um, this bigger idea about, you know, I don't know, the idea that America and they they don't always live up to this, but it's definitely this aspirational idea that we could be an example or a city on a hill. And well, that's going to require a lot of people getting their hat in the ring and actually doing something to to be that. Right. 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 Yeah, I, I can think certainly of my experiences in the military as having, you know, those times where I, I really felt like there was I was doing something that mattered, um, that it was, you know, being part of a big team that was doing something important. And then, of of course, there are, you know, my work as a professor, I, I get to, you know, influence, um, you know, lots of M- MBA students and other people who are getting their education. And, and, you know, I get to see them, you know, on LinkedIn getting promoted and other having other kinds of accomplishments and seeing the cool things that they're doing in the world and sometimes getting feedback from them saying that that something that I did in class or a course that they took with me really mattered and that means a lot that that is that's a piece of task significance and you know in my research maybe somebody um, cites it or reads it and it makes a difference there as well um and and then even in our consulting work that we do Chris together I think there is some significance that we've derived there from helping an organization work better and, you know, making making it more efficient, making it more effective, helping the the people thrive more in the organization. That's where if, I, I think that if you approach even, you know, management consulting in a certain way with a high degree of, of ethics and integrity – it really can be noble work where you're helping organizations work better, helping leaders perform better, and all of those types of things. Yeah. I mean, Ben, the right answer was working with me is the most meaningful thing you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> but think about this podcast. The reason we started this podcast is because we really wanted to impact people and organizations' lives at a much larger scale and scope than we could on a one-on-one consulting engagement basis. And so many of our engagements, we focus on the people because that normally sorts out some of the problems, but it's so problem focused, right? Right. Where with the you know podcast, we can be so much, hey, what can individuals do to impact themselves, their teams, their organizations and communities? And And for me, I don't know, this podcast is really fulfilling. Sure, sure. Uh, there's an interesting other take on meaning at work that I think is important to address. So we talked about some of these positive outcomes that come from having a lot of sense of, of meaning at work from your job satisfaction to your performance and your well-being and, and everything. And that's great. Uh, but there actually can be some downsides. It's very interesting. There's a, a great article that was written a number of years ago in the Administrative Science Quarterly, which is a scholarly journal. But in this study, they studied zookeepers, right? And zookeepers are a really interesting uh, group of people uh, because it's it's hard work. You have to have a lot of you have to have these amount of education. You have to work hard. There, there's a lot of people who want to do it, so there's, it's competitive to even get the job. You got to be an intern usually, and you know eventually maybe you get that that job. Um, and you know, but you get into it, and it it's hard. Right. And so I'm just going to quote from the abstract from this article because it's a really interesting point 
Um, and it's not just a theoretical point. They did they actually collected data and um, it was supported by by the data. They said, and I quote, on one hand, zookeepers with a strong with a sense of calling strongly identified with and found broader meaning and significance in their work and occupation. On the other hand, they were more likely to see their work as a moral duty to sacrifice pay, personal time, and comfort for their work, and to hold their zoo to a higher standard. Results of a survey of zookeepers from 157 different zoos in the U.S. and Canada supported the hypotheses from our emergent theory. These results reveal the ways in which deeply meaningful work can become a double-edged sword, right? So on the one hand, these zookeepers, you know, they, they see a lot of significance and meaning in what they're doing, but they, they see it as so important that it's this moral duty that they start sacrificing all these other pieces of their lives. And, and in that way, deeply meaningful work can be this double-edged sword. I just think it's a really interesting point, and it's something to point out with regard to this topic overall. Yeah, I mean, it's a suffering servant, but it's a suffering servant for real. It's not like, oh, look at me. Look, look at how I suffer for the people. <laughs> <laughs> no, these guys are going in. They're dealing with all kind of animal feces, the general public. They're getting super smart and educated. You know, how people view animals in a zoo determines how they might think about taking care of our environment and world at large. Um, I know like my kids super enjoy the zoo. It's, you know, a community is better if they have a zoo. And here they are literally working themselves to the bone with next to no pay. And I, you know, I think that has some ethical implications for how organizations um, go. Another thing I think about that we were talking about when we were prepping and talking about this episode is, you know, people that do home health and, and senior care, mm. you know, not everybody made a bajillion dollars and can just put up their grandparents in like the nicest of digs for their end of life care and stuff. And they still have to work. They probably have kids of their own to do. And yet, so there's a structure that just keeps them low in the pay, right? Because we just can't afford, yet they're doing some of the most important work we could have as a society. Right, right. So I, th I think this is kind of a note of caution that, you know, Finding meaning in your work is very important, but you don't want to do that at the detriment of, of your well-being, right? So, um, well, and so we've got to figure out as a society what to do about people that and places that are just, it's, you know, I don't know if it's best to have, you know, people changing their senior care job every three months for a job with better pay, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I don't know if there, if that's a, a, even a, a something that could be addressed at the policy level or not. But that's it's an interesting idea, an interesting conversation. But let's move now to discussing a little bit more about how you might make your work more meaningful or <laughs> some things you can do if that's just unlikely, right? There may, maybe there's only so much you can do. So I think, you know, how you can, how to make work more meaningful, one thing you can do is, you know, seek meaning in what you're doing right now. Yeah, that, you know, if you just take a moment and pause from the grind, right? Everything's going, typical day, get the kids to school, spill coffee on your shirt on the way to work, all the stuff is happening. It can be hard to find that meaning right there, but it might be there, right? Right. And I, I noticed the meaning that people found during this pandemic. And during the last time we had, you know, we had the financial crisis blow out back in, you know, the, the crisis before this crisis. Um, when people weren't at work anymore and they're like, man, I just really 
outside of the cash, which is needed, right? I really had a lot of meaning in the social interactions and, you know, going to lunch with Filson every week or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, I think this is the first time you've ever talked about Filson in a positive way. Normally, you use this name <laughs> Filson, and you know, apologies to anyone with the last name or, or first name there, you know, name Filson. Normally, you use Google it. Analytics says yeah. Filson only lasts two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but maybe Filson is your best friend out there. So, seeking meaning in what you're doing right now, there are there are ways to do this, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about kind of how you can cognitively reframe your work. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we just have to stop and recognize what we're doing and how it can have a bigger impact. There, there are bad parts to every single job, right? So being a professor, like grading is not particularly thrilling. Um, you know, dealing with ver the various minutia of being a faculty member. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff's not great. But there are really big, important parts of it that are pretty awesome. You know, um, same thing with our consulting work and everything else. And I, I think focusing on those pieces that are significant and just reminding yourself of that significance is really great. You know, and and to the degree possible, connecting yourself with some of those outcomes. So, for example, as a professor, you know, that's why I like for my students to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, because then I can see what they do later in life. And that gives me a little sense of of meaning and purpose. So I think that's great. But there's this other idea that, hey, like, OK, you're having trouble figuring out what what the significance is in your tasks, how your work can be meaningful. And there's this idea called job crafting. Right. Um, I guess it's another neat idea that your job can be kind of malleable to some extent if you're if you actually work at it. Yeah. I mean, you can get like if you're in a larger organization, they have what's called an ERG or affinity group, employee resource group. You know, people call these different things. You can get involved um, with some extracurriculars within your job. So they may have something for, say, LGBT people, for people of color. They could have um, a mentors resource group if you want to find a mentor within your organization. And getting plugged in is a great way to do some of that. Um, also, just talking to your boss about, hey, if there's any special projects coming down the pike, I'd like to be considered. Yeah. So job crafting, I think, will deal more with what you know, what you said at the end of that uh, sentence about, you know, talking to your boss and trying to figure out your job and how you might craft it. Now, getting involved in other things at work, some other extracurriculars, yeah, that might give you some some meaning as well. Um, but from the, the uh, book chapter that I talked about earlier, uh, they define this idea of job crafting as follows. And I quote, job crafting is a way to think about job design that puts employees in the driver's seat in cultivating meaningfulness in their work. Job crafters can proactively reshape the boundaries of their jobs using three categories of job crafting techniques, task, relational, and cognitive crafting. So I think it'd be helpful for our listeners, if they want to have more meaning in their work, for us to talk about these three different categories of job crafting, because guess what? You can be a job crafter and potentially use that to have some more meaning in your work. So let's start with the first one, which is Task crafting. Yeah, that's where you give the boss and say, you know, it kills me doing this one task for eight hours. My goodness, <laughs> you know, and it probably killed you too. So you got promoted as quick as possible. Right? Yeah. So this is, you know, maybe we could shift. And I've seen things I've seen done. It's like, hey, me and Filson do different things. If we trained each, uh, trained each other 
on what we do. Maybe I could do my job for four hours and Filson's job for the next four hours. And so you out, right? so you missed Filson and now you're cross training with Filson. I just love this development, Chris. You know, just Filson is a really important person for you. Well, yeah, he's saving me from doing the same thing for eight hours. <laughs> but you're right. It, task crafting is about trying to figure out what how you can alter you know, the responsibilities that are in your job description. Maybe you can add or drop some tasks. Maybe you can change the nature of those tasks. Maybe you can just change the amount of time or energy that you allocate to different pieces. Um, and that could maybe introduce some more meaning and purpose into your work. So that's the first piece, which is task crafting. And, and I mean, I think before we go too much further, I, I think just this idea of job crafting requires you to have a little bit of an internal locus of control and realize that, hey, if I, my work is not meaningful, I can put myself in the driver's seat and maybe there's something that I can do about it. I can't, I, you know, this is not a throw up your hands in the air and say, woe is me type of strategy. So um, task crafting is the first piece and relational crafting, um, this is where you, you know, Try to change those, uh, you know, how, when, and with whom you're interacting with other people around your workplace in terms of getting your job done. Maybe this is where you, you know, start working more with Filson on some cool project, and that brings you um, some a sense of meaning. So you can look at the tasks, you can look at your relationships, and the last piece is about how you think. Yeah, well, on the relationship, cr relational crafting side of things, and this isn't necessarily in that what they're thinking, but sometimes you can just say internally focused and customer focused. Hey, you know, I to do my job better, I'd like more exposure to the customer. And so cool. you're actually out there navigating in the business environment. You know, if you're an IT help desk worker, maybe you do some help desk help support, but then maybe you actually get to go to some client sites to do some one-on-one -on -one face kind of stuff. So I think about that more broadly of just, yes, who you're having relationships and interactions with in the workplace, but also outside you know, kind of in a help help capacity, if that makes sense. Right. And one psychological reason why that would work in terms of creating a sense of significance or meaning is sometimes by changing the interactions, like, for example, from just being internally focused to externally focused, you know, well, I want to see some customers. I want to go along and see some clients. It actually can help broaden your perspective. And then you can start seeing, oh, wow, all these things that we do at work they actually make a difference for our clients, for our customers. Here's how the big picture kind of fits together. Um, in addition, just adding some variety to what you're doing. Right. And that and that was the whole idea of that task significance, right? Where you see the connection between you work, the work you do and its impact on something bigger, which can sometimes be the community or the customers you guys serve. Right, right. So we've talked about task crafting and relational crafting. The last piece is cognitive crafting. So this is about changing how you perceive the tasks and relationships that make up your work. Um, you know, so maybe it's not just about, you know, sweeping the floors. It's about, you know, maintaining a, a healthy environment where everybody can thrive. You know, I, I'm reminded, I don't even know if this is a true story, but apparently back in the day, President John F. Kennedy was touring NASA after he had said, we're going to put a person on the moon, right? Um, you know, and, and he was touring NASA and he apparently came across a, a, a member of the janitorial staff and said, hey, you know, what's your job here? And the, the person who was just cleaning something said, my job is to put a man on the moon. Right. I love that. I just, I love the story. I don't know if it's true, but it, it's, it's a cool story because it's like, Hey, I see um, what I'm doing as connected to something bigger. And that took some cognitive reframing on that person's part. So, you know, 
I think, and this goes deeper than just tricking yourself. I think it's about finding the connection between what you're doing and something bigger. Yeah, this this idea that, oh, if I just, you know, say enough positive words to myself, or if I just, you know, I'm not a high school janitor, I'm an education enabler, you know, that's not, that's not something, you can't fake this stuff. It, it can't mm-hmm. just be that kind of surface thing. But I think anybody that reflects back on their life can think about a time in like school, high school, something like that, when somebody said something that was really meaningful to them. And, you know, you could be that person to somebody else and help them see. So if you're having a lot of meaning and you look to the person you're left and right and they're not having a lot of meaning, you can help spread some of that meaning. And likewise, if you find somebody next to you, hey, I'm just not feeling this work. How is it you come in every day and feel good about what you're doing? You might be able to get some of that on loan and get it installed into your own OS, right? Right. And, and you know, maybe part of the meaning that you have at work is, you know, I don't care about what this company does. The products and services we make are just so meaningless and trivial. But you know what? I care about the person to my left and my right. And we're here in, on this planet together. And I'm going to be a good teammate. I'm going to be a good person to the people around me. And that brings me meaning, right? So that could be another way in which you increase the meaning that you perceive in your work. Um, So, you know, let's imagine that your work stinks. You're not a, you know, a co-host of the the Indigo Indigo podcast or (laughs) doing other things that are bring you tremendous senses of, uh, of meaning and significance. Let's imagine your work stinks and you want to make it more meaningful. You're saying, all right, Ben and Chris, I I believe you. This seems to make sense. I would love to have this. Um, And maybe let's talk more specifically about how you might craft your way to meaningfulness Um, and talk, you know, in so in so far as we we talk about that, we'll talk about some implications for for people, for leaders and for organizations. So let's start off with with the people piece. Yeah. So as an individual, um, I. I find a lot of people are you know, just floundering. They talk to me about this all the time. And, you know, I'm just floundering in my job. I'm floundering in my job. And one of the things that's really common is, you know, hey, okay, well, let's say you had a magic wand and you could do absolutely anything. Well, what would you do? <laughs> and, and right, it's just silence. Like, what? well, yeah, yeah. What if you could do anything? You know, you want to be president. You want to be a pop star. You want to be you know, a research engineer at NASA, you know, they don't have a concept. And so I think the first thing as an individual, because it's hard to head somewhere if you don't know where you're going, is to just do a bit of a gut check and go on a bit of an existential journey. Things that are going to help you here are going to be some reading uh, from other people who thought about this kind of problem. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point, um, that having a good sense of self and having a strong sense of of how you might contribute to the world uh, is certainly a great place to start. Uh, and one way to do that is through exposing yourself to other types of stories and and people who have done done that in their lives. I mean, you and I both read quite a bit, and we had childhoods that were filled with books. That's kind of one way to do it as well, right? You can you can learn vicariously or get ideas vicariously through others. And, and it, here's the thing at that. So if you can't think of if you had a magic wand, what would make you happy? You may actually not want to just jet off to another job or talking to your boss about different tasks. You might want to just sit with that for a minute. Yeah. So you have a direction that you're going. So you don't waste time spinning out. The second thing that I see 
is stuff where, you know what? I was just so focused on making more money. Yeah. And so there's this idea called hedonic adaptation. So, you know, somebody gets a big raise or they win the lottery. There's like three or six months later, they're right back to their default level of happiness and satisfaction. And so you <laughs> want to make sure, right? You can get lost in this. You want to make sure that this is a place you can actually go to. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you mentioned as you can get lost in this. I think a lot of people get lost in this. Yeah. Right. I mean, they you got the country club membership, they got a billion dollars in the bank. They got, you know, the you know, picture perfect family that would, you know, they use for the stock photo at the Target <laughs> frame, you know, picture frame. But we're, not, we're not just talking about billionaires here, though. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're talking about a lot of people out there who think that they're going to get their sense of happiness and significance through the acquisition of money or through toys, uh, <clears throat> toys, um, you boats, know, right. I think there's a trucks. good, you know, there's always a bigger boat, you know, um, and keeping that in mind is important. Um, remembering that, you know, <clears throat> it's not necessarily going to be, bring you a sense of meaningfulness. Um, there's a, there, we come across a lot of people who make a lot of money who are pretty miserable. Yeah. And, and it, if you're not careful, because right, this is a personal journey, a personal thing you have to do. If you have an operating system in your mind that no matter what happened to you, a couple months later, you're not going to be happy again. That journey doesn't need to be about necessarily meaningful work outside because, right, we talked about it. Like you can bring your meaning with you to work or you go showing up and other people have to create that meaning. Now, that might be okay if the kind of meaning they create just works for you. If it gets you there, hey, if you're happy, just stay happy. That's great. If you feel meaning, don't, wait a minute, should I be worried about a boat now? No, that's not <laughs> what you yeah, You're good. Be good. Don't let anybody ruin that for you. But if you're a person that just keeps changing jobs all the time, or if you just keep going after that promotion because you need some affirmation and more cash in your bank, and it's never enough, it's never enough, it's never enough, you've got to go on an existential journey inside to figure out how might I be at peace with myself at this moment. Right, right. So, you know, we, let's go back and talk a little bit more specifically about, let's say you've done the existential journey and, and you're like, all right, I get that. I want to maybe try some of this job crafting stuff. Yeah, if you're not a jacked up investment banker with yeah. a minor drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about task focus, yeah, right? So, so, Add some tasks. Right. Maybe... Maybe try to fill your, if you do your job crafting, have have a larger portion of your day be done on the tasks that you enjoy rather than maybe filing those receipts for your expense report all day. That's right. You know, I, I have found, I've just learned about myself that I, I tend to um, get bored after I have mastered tasks. Once I've figured something out and I can do it really well, um, I mean, I can turn the crank on those things and keep doing them. But, you know, I figure out ways to make my work interesting. So, for example, um, you know, every couple times I, so oftentimes when I teach a course, it's, it's a lot of work to teach a course um, for the first time and put it all together and design it. Uh, and then you do it a couple times and I find I'm getting a little bored and you know what? I could probably do a few things better. Then I kind of redesign it and I, I make it better. Um, so that's one way that I job craft and that's completely, you know, up to me to do. But if you're in a job that's not, you know, the, the strange job of being a professor, um, you know, you could add some tasks. You could go to your boss and say, look, I'm, I want to expand the, 
the variety of my work. I want to, you know, maybe learn something different. Teach. I'd like you could teach. Yeah. Teaching's a great one. Hey, you know what? I'm probably the best on my team at this. I'd love to be in charge of training new employees in their onboarding. Is that cool? Yeah. No, that's great. That's a great one. So you can have this task focus in terms of job crafting that could help you. Um, and, and don't be don't be worried at this point, I don't think, too much about your job description. Like there are essential parts of your job that you're not you're, you're not gonna wanna go to your boss and say, hey, I'm gonna quit doing everything that you explicitly hired me to do. Can I do something else? I mean, that's an extreme type of approach. Um, but there are probably some things that you could do differently. The next piece is about your relationship focus. And I think this is this is great because we derive so much of our meaning and significance from the people around us and the relationships that we build around us. So, you know, you can craft better interactions with the people around you, build those relationships. Maybe you don't really know the people you work with very much and you can do that a little bit. Um, that can give you some meaning and purpose because then then your work isn't just about showing up and doing things. It's about showing up and helping each other, um, doing different things that that make life as a as a collective um, more meaningful. Right. It, th this is the idea of you know a lot of things that people get annoyed with in the workplaces. I'm just you know like that Pink Floyd song, another brick in the wall. You know, I'm just a cog in the machine. Well, stop. Humanize your workplace and your environment. Stop seeing the person in the cubicle next to you as somebody you have transactions with, right? This is a real person with hopes, fears, dreams, children, pets, all that kind of thing. Find out who they are. Um, get to know each other. Now, you know, you do have to keep it professional, but there's lots of people. Ben, we have lots of really in-depth, close, personal friendships with people that we also interact with professionally. And it's fine. You just mm -hmm. got to do both of those items. Right, right. You know, another thing that you can do is kind of adapt your relationships. And this actually, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier that kind of made me think of this is maybe you are a little bit more experienced in a certain area. Maybe you've been around your organization for a while. Maybe you could start being a mentor, right? And start training other people. Um, you know, it's interesting in the research on mentoring that, a lot of the research focused initially on benefits for the person being mentored, the protege, the mentee, whatever you want to call that person. And there certainly are a lot of benefits, but there are also benefits to the person doing the mentoring. They find a lot of satisfaction out of it. This could be another thing that gives you purpose and meaning in your work. Maybe you've gotten to a point in your career where it's like, you know what? My chances of getting promoted probably aren't that great, or maybe I don't really want to get promoted because I'm kind of happy with being at my certain level of responsibility. But you know what? Maybe my purpose and meaning in my job, in my career, can now come from grooming and building the next generation of talent in my profession or in my industry or in my organization. You know, that's something that gives me a lot of meaning, Ben, is because I've spent countless, countless hours reading countless hours working with organizations countless i don't i don't want that to die with me right mm -hmm. i want to teach other people how to do the things that we do in organizations so they can build their own lives their own families their own communities to be better stronger from an evidence-based perspective and so that they can create mentors and so so when i'm gone from this earth right there's just this virtuous cycle that's going out from all the people that I've touched. Knock on wood, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. So another thing that you can do in terms of job crafting is have a, a focus on your perceptions. So expanding your perceptions. For example, 
Um, you know, going back to the zookeepers, you know, seeing your job, which is <laughs> admittedly fairly dirty, um, both kind of, you know, in a, a very real way and in other ways, um, but also seeing as one of, you know, it's, there is some moral duty there and you're doing something for animal welfare at writ large. Um, you can also focus your perceptions. Maybe you narrow your mental energy to to more specifically hone in on a specific area of your work. Uh, so those are more cognitive types of things that you can do. Right. And then also just look for those small wins. Yeah. Right. So we know from the data on hedonic adaptation that you can be handed something really big and you'll move back to your default level of happiness. Now, I, I know meaningful work is not necessarily we're not happiness is not what we're necessarily focused on. But when we look at meaningful work, sometimes that's just stringing the small wins along and then the small wins lead to bigger wins right? The journey of a million miles starts with a single step kind of thing. Just start stacking up those small wins in your day-to-day. In your day -day. Awesome. So let's move now from the individual focus and talk a little bit more about leaders and kind of at the organizational level and things that they can uh, do, some implications for them with regard to meaningful work. I guess the first question I have is, you know, some people may be listening and thinking, you know what? Okay, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a manager. I have a formal position of authority. And I have, you know, responsibilities and things that I've got to deliver on. Why do I now have to care about the people around me finding meaning in their work? This is this is horrible. Like, can't we just focus on the work? Yeah, and and maybe that's driving you to automation quicker. It's like, yeah, if we could just get robots in here, my life would be <laughs> so much better. Just go look in the mirror and just say what you just said to yourself. <laughs> oh my God, you. You best fix yourself, buddy. Listen, and this is, you can't fake this. You know, all this items, you know, so many of the articles that we looked at is like, oh, this is a good retention strategy. This will create engaged employees that will make you money. Whatever happened to, this is the kind of world I want to live in. I want meaningful work for myself. Why would I not want to share meaningful work with the others around me? Yeah. You know, there are so many things in the workplace that kind of have those those two different reasons for doing them, right? There's, a, there's you know, oh, well, I can be a, a nice manager. I can be a, a relatable leader and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and that will lead to better performance and an increased productivity and commitment and everything. And that's great. Uh, there are business reasons why these are good ideas. But to your point, Chris, it's also about how I want the world to be and how I want to be a part of the world. And I think, you know, taking a little bit of that responsibility would be is, is great. I think it's a good thing for all of us to do. Um, it's not easy necessarily, right? Because, yeah, if you want people to have a meaningful experience at work, if you want to develop good relationships with the people around you, it takes some work. It may, um, you know, it's in, in addition to or alongside your other responsibilities. It takes some time. But you know what? It, it makes the world more more meaningful for us to live in. This is the meaningful work that is available to anybody. Yeah. The, well, what I, you know, what do I do every day? Well, I take the papers from this pile and I shuffle them to that pile. And then after 2 p.m., I take it from that pile and shuffle it back onto my pile. What do you do the other days? Pretty much the same thing. You know, that might be really hard to find some meaning there. Right. But the meaningful work that's available for anybody to pick up right now is the creating meaning for people around us. Parents do this every Christmas. You know, no matter where you are in the world, there's some kind of holiday 
where you do really cool stuff with kids. And you might have a little bit of mythology wrapped up around it. I mean, Santa Claus is real, so we're not talking about that. But um, <laughs> the meaningful, the meaning we create for our children on these magical holidays is meaningful work. And yet we can do that for ourselves. We can do that for the people around us on our teams. If you're a HR leader or something like that, you can be looking out. You can add some of those meaning questions into your annual surveys and those kinds of things. This is something that everybody should be wanting to do at their work, in their communities, their places of worship, and, and those kinds of things. Right. And, you know, maybe your work, you know, you're thinking about this stuff. And you're like, you know what? There's just no way that I'm going to craft my job to make it better. Everyone here is terrible, so the relationship piece is out. I can't even think differently about my job, so the job crafting piece is not going to work for me in terms of meaningfulness. And you know what? Okay. You know, as long as you're not doing a job that is unethical in and of itself, you know, I, I don't really have a yeah, problem with it. Please don't be a narco-terrorist. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, but there are other ways to find meaning and purpose in life and and have meaningful work outside of your actual job. And that's a, this is a beautiful thing about, you know, nonprofit work, about work in your community. There are many different ways in which you can contribute and really have a lot of meaning. And then maybe you're not as dependent upon your employment for that purpose. Yeah, and you know, there's kind of four lenses to think about this. And you know, this is all over the web. Everybody has their take on this. But there's this idea of looking inwards towards existential excellence. Um, so that could be finding peace with yourself rather than having to chase that next promotion, that next dollar, you know, that kind of thing. Um, being morally, you know, and scouts, we call it being morally straight, right? Making sure that you are who you say you are. So many people we run into say, well, I'm really suffering from imposter syndrome. And then you look and like, well, you are an imposter, but that's okay. You can start that journey right now to being who you say you are. Right. Living up with your living up to your values, having integrity in how you conduct yourself. And then there's this other idea, this like this idea of so you could perfect yourself, you can perfect what you do. And this is like kind of that idea of craftsmanship. Um, you know, you become better and better to where the skills or your profession becomes almost an art and you keep honing it better and better and better. Right. Yeah. So. Um, finding those different ways to interact with people in a better way, to make your work, if you can, more meaningful. All of these tie into this idea of meaningful work. And it's just such a huge part of our meaningful existence because, you know, be it in the workplace or whatever, having a meaningful life is important um, for you. For selfish reasons, it is important because you will be sitting, you know, thinking about your life at some point and, it makes a difference um, for your satisfaction and for your sense of peace to have had those meaningful experiences. Right. So the other two lenses there, it's like, so you've got looking inward, kind of an existential excellence, idea of craftsmanship, perfecting what you do. You can do society better, you know, creating those meaningful relationships, doing relationships better. And that can be being a friend to somebody in a time of need being a friend to somebody who doesn't have any friends, those kinds of things. And then the other thing is like doing for others. And this can be your charity engagement. This could be employee care. So if you work in a small company or well, any size company, really, 
and you start caring for others, really, you know, so you have that professional relationship, but you're also, hey, you know, you guys haven't been on a date. If you'd like, I'd be happy to come over or you could drop your kids off at my house for dinner so you could go out. There's all these humanizing things that we can do um, that doing for others, food bank work, soup kitchen, those kinds of things can create meaning because we're more than just the hours at our job. Awesome. So today on the Indigo podcast, we have talked about the search for meaningful work and what to do if your work stinks. We've talked about what meaningful work is and why it matters, how to make work more meaningful, or what to do if that's unlikely. And we talked about some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.